see everybody here at the meeting house today, and um, I noticed we have a lot of visitors here as well, and I just want to say we're glad that you're here, and uh, it, it's sort of hard to get around to everyone, but uh, we're very thankful that you're here. Good worship this morning, amen? Um, let, let's worship the Lord through His Word now, and uh, I love worshiping the Lord through song, and uh, it makes my heart rejoice. Uh, when our songs are lifting up the name of Christ, there's no other name. The Bible says, get into heaven whereby men can be saved by. Um, let's pray today that the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to someone in this building. It's take the power of God to change a life. And I believe that. And we've been witnessing the Lord change lives, and I thank God for that. Um, as we go into the text, take your Bibles, go to Romans chapter number 2. Romans chapter number 2, we're going to read some verses this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about, the title of the message is Missing the Obvious. And uh, my, my prayer is that uh, through God's Word today and through the Holy Spirit that, uh, that He will reveal the things that belong to God. And, and again, there are things about ourselves that only God knows. He knows the way our minds think and how we try to figure things out. Uh, my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit will convince you that there's nothing you can do other than to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything else, if we can put those things aside, there's not a work, there's not an act, there's not a performance, there's nothing that we can do, but God will give His mercy to whom He'll give mercy. And we pray for that today in this place, that God will definitely show mercy. And I'm glad that He's merciful. Amen. Let's do some reading. Romans chapter 2, verse number 17. And if you're there this morning, you're ready, just say Amen. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and retest in the law. That means rely and make thy boast in God. And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou, therefore, which teachest another... Teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest, a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest, a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thyself the boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God's question. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles, look here, through you... As it is written, For circumcision verily profit if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if uncircumcision keep the rights of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, and not in letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Father, I want to thank you for your word, and as we see as the example here today of the Jew and the law. And Father, you've spoken to the Gentiles in the letter and the epistle already, but we'll see today... Father, the same as this applies to them, we can look and see there are same things concerning the, the Christendom today, Father. We'll see that how the people observe the law, and 
whether they obeyed or not and how they acted were sometimes different things. And we see that a man can't be saved by the works of his flesh or things that he does outwardly. But circumcision, true circumcision, is inside the heart. And the Spirit has to be active in doing the work. And Father, we pray today that, that Lord, that you'll just have your preeminence in this place, be able to move freely in and throughout this congregation. Father, we pray that you'll bring those alive that are dead. And for those that are alive, Father, if they're not where they need to be, God, you reveal that. That at the end of this day, that you'll receive all the honor and all the glory that you deserve. It's your holy word and it's your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're just able to be a part of it and have an understanding. And we pray that, Lord, that you'll draw those out of darkness into light. We pray the prayer of faith and all those that are here today said, Amen. Amen. Have you seen? Sort of confusing when you read this text when you, it's like it's jumping back and forth. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, this is one of those sections almost like Romans 7 that it's just, uh, I have to read it very slow and multiple times to, to grab hold of it. I'll get a different version. I'll take an ESV and I'll read through the, the language of the ESV and it'll sort of, it'll help me just a little bit. But what we're looking here is we're, we're looking at a letter that was written out to the Romans. And we'll find that, um, that people, the Christians were already there in Rome and the gospel had, had been there and, and Paul was wanting to have some fruit amongst the Romans. And we also see that, uh, he's been establishing the power of the gospel and the fact that the gospel's been given and during, well, to the, to the Gentiles basically because Christ had died and rose again. Because acts had taken place, he'd went to the Jews and then he turned to the Gentiles so the Gentiles could be saved. Now, as we look through this, chapter 1 was basically to the Gentile. And that talks about how that there are things God's revealed in them. We're also going to see here today that we're going to see how that God has revealed himself unto the Jews as well. And we're going to look at the law of God and how that God gave that to them specifically for that people. So how could people... Matter of fact, I wrote a question down. If you were given privileges from God, do you think that you would break them? So that's the question that I want you to think about today. If you were given, if you were given the laws of God or you, get, you were given special privileges of the Word of God, do you think that you would break them? So as we were reading here, especially in verse 17 and verse number 18, there, there's several things in this chapter, and I really just had to slow down and read these things because when you start thinking about the privileges... And then you start thinking about what do you do with the privileges that you have. And let me just say, in this time period that we're living today, is that the Lord is not going to go back on the cross, regardless of what people do. It's not going to put him to an open shame, right? So, so we're going to parallel a little bit today, and we're going to look at, as far as the Jew, in context of what the Scripture says about, basically, these are five given privileges that he's named out, that were given to the Jews. Now, let's, let's look at them. I'm going to name them out right here. For the one, if you start in verse number 17, for one thing, is one of the privileges was is that they, they were called a Jew. That goes back to relation to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And their, their blessing, their covenant that God had given them uh, as far as being chosen out, then that's one of the privileges that the Jews had especially in the days of Christ. One of the things that they relied on, one of the things they boasted in, is for one, that they were a Jew. Another one is, the second part, and it's in the same verse, 
after the word and, retesting the law, rely in the law. In other words, is that this is where that God had given the Jewish people his laws. To the Gentiles, the law and consciousness. But now we see within the Jews, they had the privilege of receiving the laws of God. Mount, Mount Sinai, right? You go back when Moses goes up on the mountain. Number three, you'll see in the last of 17, maketh thy boast of God. And that means that, in other words, God chose them to have a special relationship with them. These were things that you would hear the Jews talk about. Number four, you'll see where it says, knowest his will and prove the things that are more excellent. In other words, here's, they gave their approval to the things they were keeping because they basically, God gave it to them. So their approval was in those things. And the next part is, says they were instructed out of the law, saying the law was our teacher. So in all these things, we can see that God taught them what his will was for their lives. God gave them instruction on what they were to do, you know. And here's the part about it. With the Jews having all of these things that God had gave them, and this is just not all, but in these two verses it talks about the Jew and the law. These are the advantages. These are the privileges that they had. These are the things they boasted about. These are the things they would let you know concerning them and saying that they knew God. So with them having all this, why would they totally do the opposite? Now, let's, let's bring that into 2021. If we have 66 books of the Bible, and we have the revelation of the Old Testament and the revelation of the New Testament, right? And now we have, we have God manifested in the flesh in Christ Jesus, then why would people do the opposite, right, of what they say they belong to, talking about as far as being a Christian. So what I want to look at is that when you start looking at all these things and the questions, they start arising here. So are you not a teacher of the blind? If you teach people not to steal, do you steal? I mean, he goes through all these questions trying to get them to look within their own life and look within their own heart in reflection of the laws of God that we know it's holy, it's just, and it's good. So there are things that we know about the law, you and I know and have relate to the Jews and say they should have known better. They should have never left him. I mean, he, he, he delivered them from Pharaoh, right? I mean, he's done so many things for them. Why in the world would they ever reject God and even put the Messiah on the cross? Now, here's a parallel. Now, I want you to listen just for a moment. If we have been given privileges just as well in the year 2021... Now, I want to write these things down because these are Jews here that are saying, they, they, these are saying that they have all these privileges. And Paul's saying, okay, so if you say that you know all these things about God, then why is your life different? So if we were to look in 2021, then, and again, and we shared this for years, and we, you go out and you ask, and everyone is a Christian, right? In the year 2021, most everybody says they're Christian. Matter of fact, we have a complete Word of God. Most every home has the Word of God somewhere in their home. Most of them claim to know Jesus, right? His, His, His will being revealed, right? the mystery being, we have it all where He gave it all to, you know, the apostles that it's not being given unto them, but it's being given unto you to know the mystery. And they went out and they preached the mystery of the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, we know as teacher, 
just as they say the law was our instructor. I mean, even more the gifts the Holy Spirit divides out unto the church, right? So if we were to look at the same person, whether it's a Gentile or if we were to look at a Jew, there are people that say that they believe in God. There are people that say that they know Messiah. And there are things that we all know because we have been raised in the Bible Belt of the United States of America. Therefore, we must all be Christian. Therefore, everyone must believe in God, right? So what we're going to look at and what we're going to talk about is that really, how are we any different when we look at the things that we say we believe in versus the Jew who had things they said they believed in, but yet when Paul's writing this, he's saying, but, but there are some things you can actually miss the obvious. You can say things from your mouth, but it doesn't mean that you obey it from your heart. And what he's trying to get them to look at is that these examples of what he's talking about, for example... He says, okay, if there's a form of knowledge of the truth that's in the law, and then he says, and you teach others, do you not teach yourself? And if you tell people not to steal, then, then why would you take advantage inside the temple or on the sacrifices or, or sacrilege of sort? Or if he talks about adultery, and, and even though physically you may not be committing adultery, have you done it in your eyes? Have you done it in your heart? Have you done it in your thoughts? So if you commit the same things that you say that you believe that God is right about, then there's a problem and there's an issue somewhere. Do you see that? So let's, let's keep moving on because when you start thinking about this and you start looking at this group of people, and matter of fact, imagine this. If all people are under sin and there's none righteous, no, not one, right? I mean, and think about this. What could we actually keep? What could we do to maintain righteousness? I mean, think about it. If there was something that we could keep, then it would be something we could do to lose it just as well. If we're all in this fallen nature, right? Look over here in chapter 3. Flip over just a little bit right here. Romans chapter number 3, 9 through 18. I want you to look. What then are we better than they? No and no wise. For we have before proved both Jew and Gentiles, they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none, look, that seeketh after God. I want to, we're going to talk on that in a minute. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of apse is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Do you see that? Whenever that you start looking at the conclusion of what he's talking about, regardless of whether you're a Jew or regardless of whether that you are a Gentile, that there is none that seeketh after God. There is none good. There is none righteous. No, not one. So if you were to look right here, then how can people, how can they miss the obvious? How can they see something but yet not understand it? Now, that's why when you was in Romans chapter number 2 there, when you was in that chapter and you went through 25 through 28, that's why he starts talking about circumcision versus uncircumcision. And he 
he's talking about there at the end about conversion, about those that truly know God because he talks about it's not an outward profession, it's not an outward thing that you can do that is an evidence of your salvation because we see that circumcision, even though that, listen, it was given for those to obey God, it was an outward act of what they would do. And through that, that part of circumcision, it was supposed to be a representation of their faith. If they believed and trusted in God, then they would go through circumcision. It was an outward sign for an inward belief because God had given that to them. But think about this. A religious person's faith, if it's only in association to and it's not association with, then it's the same as being circumcised or not circumcised. In other words, when we talk about the Word of God and we talk about the things that we know about God, every one of us in this room, there are things that we all know about God. There are things that we could write down, things that we've been taught every since that we have been young. But when we start looking at what he's saying right here, when it's concerning salvation and when it's concerning the difference between man before a holy God, wherever you have his law given to an unholy man, is that when we start looking at this, there's nothing that we have to offer. There's no act that you could actually follow after that would count righteous on you. Listen, every one, every male in this room could be circumcised, but it doesn't mean that you're saved. There could be things that we follow after, things that we deem righteous, things we do. And there's a moral code inside of all of us. There's a law of consciousness inside the Gentile. We're all Gentiles, uh, probably everyone. So here's, here's what he's talking about, is that when you start looking at the comparison here between the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going out, right, in the time period after the resurrection of Christ, is that it's obvious that you can talk to the Jews about these things. It's obvious that you could say, you know what? The law wasn't designed to save. It was weak through the flesh. It wasn't designed to save the flesh, but it would do. It would show the sinfulness of mankind and it would expose that because if you and I, listen, he says, so if you decide that you're going to be a keeper of the law, then you've got to obey every one of them. Now think about this. If you took the laws of God and you were to write them down and you were to carry them every day and you were to recite them, you were to read them, I'm talking about from a child up, and you were to try to live out that lifestyle, and then the Bible said that there's none good, no, not one, there's none that seeketh after God, how long do you think that you would be able to go before you broke one of those laws? I mean, think about it. Let me just put it. Think about this. If we were to take the gospel out and we were to go through and just talk about the nine virtues of the fruit of the spirit, and we were to talk about all those things, and listen, you could read them. You could look the definition up. You could know what all those things mean. How long do you think that you or I could go without sinning against God? And here's the answer is that we could not. On our best day, the Bible said our righteousness is as filthy rags. I want you to think about this. You can read the Bible as a Gentile from end to end. You can be raised in the Bible Belt of the United States of America. You could, you could, you can even tell people about the things of God and how to be saved. You can tell about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can tell people about what Christmas represents. You can tell people what Easter represents. You can tell people what the church represents. You can tell people about all things that you know. And you can even tell people that you know a man by the name of Jesus in the year 2000. 
and 21, you can tell people that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? I mean, you can tell them that you belong down to a local assembly. But I want to say this, regardless of anything that you may say, is that faith is going to be observed by the life that you live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I tell you today that I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and I never spend time reading the word of God, then somebody's telling a lie. If I tell you today that, listen, that that I love the laws of God and I have the Holy Spirit living inside of my heart, then my friends, you see a reflection of the will of God coming out through my life, through a life of sanctification. Not a life that's perfect, not a life that's totally complete now, but a life that keeps on repenting because I keep on sinning against God, but yet I seek that glorification. I seek that life that he calls me to live. And just like what he's talking about, is that there are some things that's so obvious. Think about this. In this fellowship, you guys that's been coming here, I think this year might be around my fourth year of being here in this fellowship. And of all the years so far that you've heard me share the gospel of Jesus Christ, of all the things that you heard me talk about, what should be evident, what should be taking place in your life, what happens when he starts to work compares to when he finishes that. We look through all the examples in week in and week out. You hear these things. You hear them every time that you come here. But let me just say, if this is the only time that you hear it, and if you never study it for yourself, if you never obey it outside of these walls, but yet you say that you have this relationship, you say that heaven's going to be your home, then my friends, there could be something obvious that you're missing. Do you see that? There might be something that's not reflecting what's happening of what you think is on this day versus another day. The Bible said that some people, they devote some days holier than others. They pick this day, one or the other. But let me just say, and my friends that listen, this is what I've come to learn. Whether it's the Jew that wants to tell people who God is and tell them what not to do, do we not instill in our children even the laws of God at a very young age? We, we tell them not to talk bad about honoring your father and your mother. There's so many things that we try to teach our children. This is morality. This is what you do and this is what you don't do. This is what society says you can do and you can't do. But here's one thing that God says. You cannot save yourself there's nothing good inside of you listen on your best day it's filthy rags so listen therefore then why would you hold on to something that's not obvious through your life and hope that's going to get you into eternity do you see what i'm talking about think about this right now listen let's just say miss emily said it this morning in sunday school class that we are living in the last days and i it's talking about as far as in the church and so the church age and, and listen i'm one of those that i can look out and see you know what it sure is getting very close. You can see what's going on in the world and we must say it must be very close. But do you know for 120 years that Noah preached and there wasn't one convert other than his family that got on the boat and lived? And see, that's what I'm talking about here today. Is that, listen, you can sit under preaching all your life. Your dad could be a preacher. Your mama could be a saint. Your papa's papa could have their name on the church row. And you get all these things that you hold on to and you count that for salvation. You count that for good. You count that for something you can hold on. But let me just say none of those things has a bearing on the saving of your soul because there's nothing that we ever had to offer. But this is what I do know. Is that, listen, that the Holy Spirit of God, he said, no man can come unto me. The Father sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. And you know what that teaches me? Uh, listen, we need, uh, we need a supernatural God to do a supernatural thing in a dark person's heart that's unregenerate and that's apart from God who 
thought they knew God, who thought they had a Savior, and thought they were keeping the commandments of God, but yet, in their own life, all they find is sin. In their own life, all they find is disobedience. In their own life, they don't have time to read the Word. In their life, there's not fruit coming from their life. There's not a will to have sanctification involved. And listen, God, if you're going to ask me to change my life, I told a friend of mine this last week, we were talking about goes to another church, I love him with all that I've got. And, and, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? And we sort of help one another out. We're talking about church. And, and I know places are different. They're, oh, it's not like this. But I'm like, uh, we're, you know, we was talking about Sunday. He was like, you know, uh, we, I, just, I do that virtual thing now. And I said, let me say this. If your church is open, you need to be back in fellowship. And, and here's why. Because it is not the same. It's not the same. And I said, let me ask you a question here. Do you sit down when, when church time? comes on Sunday morning, do you sit down with your family and watch it then? Or do you watch it when it's convenient? Well, you know the answer to that. Everybody watches it when it's convenient. Let me just say, there's something about setting time for the Lord. There's something about those that belong to the Lord. And listen, it's not to where that God gets worked in the schedule. It's that God is first. The husband will be first partaker of the other fruits. And see, that's what's happening. And I'm going to tell you, United States of America, we are not under persecution of our faith yet. There's just been a, been a little boo about society. And my friends, look how it's rocked the world of people. And I want to say, if this is taking people away where God is put in second, you wait till it gets worse. You wait till it gets harder. And my friends, I grant you, there'll be those that say that they were a Jew, but when time gets hard, they'll walk away. They'll go away from the laws of God. And it proves they never belonged to him anyway. In the early church, they come inside. And you know what the Bible said? They came in among us, but they were not of us because if they would have been of us, they would have remained. They would have stayed. Listen, their testimony would have sealed their faith. And listen, their life of obedience would be a life that fell in line with what thus saith the Lord God. And I know we're all a marred version. I know how that, my friends, that we all at times are crawling and sometimes that we're standing strong. But this is one thing that I know is that when I, when I was reading over here in chapter number three, and, I, and it said that there is none that understandeth and none that seeketh after God. I, I want to say something to you right here this morning, and I want you to listen with all that I've got. There's no way that you can come to God on your own. Listen, listen. you hear today, you say, well, I come to find him. I dare to say you didn't, my friend. There might be some circumstances going on in your life, but my friends, until God reveals himself to you that you're apart from him, and you're lost and dead in your sins, and in your trespasses, you'll never try to find God the right way. You'll never come the right way. You'll never repent the right way. You can't follow his commandments and keep them. You won't know who the shepherd is of the fold. Listen, you won't understand any of those things, but this is what I pray. I pray today that the Holy Spirit of God would tell people that, listen, they have been missing the obvious. They've been missing what everything they've claimed in. And for one time in their life, they'll realize that they're the one that the light is shining on. I mean, it's like when the good Holy Spirit of God begins to deal in your heart. Listen, you may have showed up here today and here you are and you thought, I, I just come to make someone happy. I just come to let somebody know that I'm here. I just come. Listen, I don't know why you come. I don't know why you're here. I'm glad that you're here. But here's one thing that I know. I'm just a messenger. It's all that I am. I'm just sharing. I'm just throwing out some seed today. And this is what I know. I don't have the power to save. I don't have the power to convict. And when I go home tonight, I'm going to sleep real good. You know why? Because I'm just shoveling out what God's given to every one of us and praying today. 
today, uh, praying that God, uh, listen, will enlighten the heart and the Holy Spirit of God will bring conviction upon a lost soul. And that's why the Bible says, those whom the Lord has given me, I will in no wise cast out. And you know why? Uh, because when the Holy Spirit of God uh, brings conviction upon a person's heart, uh, you know what it'll do? It'll take faith. And it'll take faith in that conviction that they know uh, that they're going to have to come and do one thing and one thing only, uh, not to bring a good word and uh, not to bring a good deed and uh, not to come and say, God, look at what I've done, but to come and say, God, uh, here I am, uh, convicted of being a sinner. I've never sought after you until this day. And now that you've revealed yourself unto me, I'm coming to find you by faith. And I'm going to believe uh, that Jesus died and that he rose again. And my friends, listen, uh, that's when faith is established, uh, when a sinner repents. And when they repent, the Holy Spirit of God uh, can come inside the heart and make you a new creature uh, in Christ Jesus. And outside of that, uh, you're like everyone else in the world. Because there's as many people that believe in Buddha as some people that say they believe in God. Do you see that? Missing the obvious. And, and, and what he's trying to get them to see is that why would you hold on to something that was never designed to save anyway? Now, for the Gentile, the gospel was designed to save everyone. But why would you resist? Right? Here's what he says. You can't serve two masters. When the Holy Spirit begins to convict, let, let, me, let me just, let me, there's a knowledge that all people have about God, regardless, whether it's inward or whether it's through head knowledge, whether it's through Bible belt knowledge, whatever, everyone has a knowledge of God, right? But every person that's saved has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Without the law teacher, so he's like, okay, if you're going to follow the law, Okay, you can be righteous if you can keep all the law. But if you break one, you've broke them all. And then we get over and we look at the message of Christ. And you know what he done? He took on those requirements in his own life. He never sinned, right? He became the sacrifice. And here's what it says. Now the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in you and I who walk not after the flesh, but after the what? The spirit. So here's what he's saying. Now the righteousness of the law is fulfilled inside of us, right? And now with the righteous demand, here's the thing. That holy life, that holy demand, all those holy requirements, we don't find it in ourselves. We find it in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And because we find that in Christ, we realize that the only efficiency that we have, the only hope that I have, the faith that I have is not in anything that I ever done, but it's the faith in the Son of God who saved me and sealed me until that day of redemption. And because of that, my life will be a reflection of obedience to the gospel. Amen. You say, preacher, I know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can still go to hell over that. Do you see that? You, you, listen, when you start looking at this, but he is a Jew, which is one outwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Do you realize people boast in knowing God? And let me just say, the life says otherwise. 
Not that we're perfect. Not that we're sinless. It's not one-time profession and wait for heaven. It's a profession where God regenerates and indwells and teaches us His will through sanctification and it ends up in ultimate glorification with a new body, right? The process. Let me just say this. This is my prayer. Can people in Baptist churches all over the world miss the obvious? They're the most likely. They're the most likely. Because conditions are fine, right? There's not much going on. I mean, nobody's going to cut our heads off when we walk out of this building today for putting our faith, our faith in Christ. But it's the life. The life that we live in relation to evidences throughout Scripture. And there's none perfect that's following it. Let me just say, the perfection was done in Christ, and that's the reason we follow Because Christ lives within, we obey. We yield to because Christ lives. Teacher lives within. That's why we desire the word. That's why sheep hear his voice and they follow him. All these evidences. And people say, no, that's just for the Jew preacher. That's just for... Well, let me just say, he turned from the Jews so you and I could have a chance to even be grafted in. And the mystery that they couldn't even grab hold of prior to his coming... What did they do? They put him on the cross. And, and this week I watched videos and they're still over there at the Wailing Wall and they're still waiting on Christ to come. Think about this. Their fathers and forefathers put him on the cross. So therefore, you know what? They're without excuse. But God also has a plan for the Jews. And he will turn to the Jews. And he will enter in. And he will sit on the throne. But let me just say, chances are, chances are that either death finds menu first or he comes and gathers the church. There's a chance. So, so when a person leaves this life, and you all know this, it's coming for any, any and every. Age, no respecter. But what if you missed the obvious? What if you just missed it? I'll share something with you. When I was in school, I struggled with, with word phrases. If a train was going 60 miles an hour and it had X amount of things, and you know, they'd, they'd, they'd be that long. I'm like, oh, gosh. I struggled with them. And they're like, can you not see this? You're, it's like you're missing the obvious. And I'm, like, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm challenged up here on some of these things. Unless somebody teaches me. Well, let me just say this. Men, women alike, religious, non-religious, all without excuse. If you've been in church all your life, and the things I talk about here today, you have a knowledge of these things. Why? Because you know your life in light of what you hear. And let me just say this as well. A lot of times, the, the answer no is already decided in the mind before the Holy Spirit ever even begins to draw. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Because he's not going to force himself on you. A lot of times it's like they weigh it out, right? Well, this would change and this have to change. Give this up. And you're going to miss heaven over that. There was a young man, the Lord told him he could have it all. But the first thing that he loved, he wasn't willing to give up. Do you see that? 
That's why the Bible says, unless you lose your life, it'll never be saved. Let me just say, as Esau said, my brother took this and my brother took that. No, he willingly forfeited both of them. It's not going to be because of what somebody didn't tell you. It's going to be because of the knowledge you knew, but you missed the obvious. Do you see that? Now, here's what we do. Let me just say this. Ty, if you want to get ready. For the Christian, for the person that has the Holy Spirit and you've, you know that you've been saved, right? Let me just say, by, by telling people those things, we don't want to be like these folks where he says, you know what? You're blaspheming the name of God to the Gentiles. And let me just say, do you know the excuse that most people have at home? Well, why would I want to go down to a church full of hypocrites? I see what they do. I see the things they say. I see in same context. So what do you do? Your life has to change. There's one thing I'm for certain. And I'm for certain with all that I've got. The Bible said the Lord knoweth them that are His. He knows them. And if you belong to Him, those that have the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know if you have the Spirit of God living inside of your heart. You know that. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to guess. Don't look for a sign. Don't look for someone else to tell you. God will tell you. And if you don't know, then you may have your answer. Missing the obvious. You ever seen children when they start coming and they start wanting to know and God's sort of dealing in their heart and it's sort of breaking them a little bit and they start asking all these questions? They have a knowledge of Him, right? But who can draw the heart? Who could speak to young Samuel in the bed while the priest was over in the other side of the building? Who didn't understand? Do you see this? So it would be like here today. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard to win a religious person to the Lord. Let me, just, let me just rephrase that. We can't. Unless they accept that they're still in their sins and in their trespasses. And their knowledge accounts for nothing. Their works account for nothing. Their life account for nothing. Preacher, you're saying there's nothing good about me. There's nothing good about any one of us in this room. Imagine this. Born under sin, right? Born under the curse. Without the enlightenment of Scripture, without the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit of God, what kind of person do you think you and I would be? We would commit every sin there is listed in the Bible. We'd be cheating on our spouses. We'd be stealing. We'd be robbing. We'd be trying to get ahead in this world. We'd be trying to be in power. Listen, we'd be selfish. Think about it. We'd be prideful. All these. We'd be envious. We'd be backbiters. We'd be all these things. And you know what? Here's what he said. And such were some of you. But you're washed. There's a difference when the Holy Spirit of God draws you out of darkness into light. That's when you can be saved. That's when you'll pray the right prayer. Not a one, two, three. But God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And by the little bit of faith that you put in what Christ did on the cross of Calvary, you can be saved today. We've made it so hard. So hard you've got to do this. Then they say you got to perform this before and you got to perform this after. No! What you've got to do is that you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to believe, you have to believe, and you have to believe. Nothing else. Nothing else. 
I'm a sinner and the Bible tells me to believe. And let me just say, the Holy Spirit of God's convicting your heart and in your heart you're wanting to believe on Christ and you are believing in Christ, you will come and you will be saved. It won't matter if you have to walk a mile. It won't matter if you fall down in the pew where you are because, my friends, that's where that you can be saved. When God is revealing and God is calling and when you answer, God will save you here today. Do you believe that? Let's stand to our feet. 